You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Welcome to this podcast from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. In previous episodes, I have featured recording sessions for some of Elvis's landmark albums. So far, I have covered the 1961 movie soundtrack LP Blue Hawaii and the highly acclaimed 1969 album from Elvis in Memphis. In this episode, I am covering the recording sessions for his first post-army LP, Elvis is Back. Elvis returned to the United States from Germany on March 2nd, 1960, after two years of national service in the U.S. Army. After a little over two weeks of R&R at Graceland, on March the 20th, Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, sent a chartered Greyhound bus to transport Elvis and his entourage from Memphis to RCA Studio B in Nashville. The session personnel consisted of guitarist Scotty Moore, two drummers, DJ Fontana and Buddy Harmon, pianist Floyd Kramer, guitarist Hank Garland, bassist Bobby Moore, and the backing group The Jordanaires. Elvis's original bassist, Bill Black, declined to join the sessions as he was enjoying success with the Bill Black combo. To prevent possible disruption by fans, the musicians were initially told they were going to play on a Jim Reeves session. RCA executives Steve Scholes and Bill Bullock were joined in the control room by his manager Tom Parker, his assistant Tom Diskin, A&R head Chet Atkins, engineer Bill Porter and Hill and Range's Freddie Beanstalk. RCA Victor's Studio B had recently been equipped with a new three-track recorder. To further improve the recording of Elvis's voice, Porter, who was engineering an Elvis session for the very first time, had Telefunken U47 microphones placed in the studio. The U47 was the first condenser microphone that could switch between omnidirectional and cardioid patterns. The microphones could be used for vocals, instruments and full area coverage. The session was scheduled to begin at 8pm that Sunday evening. Bill Porter recalls, The musicians began arriving around 6.30 and Elvis came in about 8.40, surrounded by bodyguards, army buddies and old pals. Anyone watching them clown around, practicing karate moves and talking about mock tank battles would have found it hard to believe that there was the slightest pressure surrounding the session. But I felt tension in the control room. I really did. As was customary with Elvis sessions, he and the Jordanaires warmed their vocal cords up around the piano singing gospel songs. At about 9.30, they got down to recording the first song, the Otis Blackwell number, Make Me Know It. Bill pressed the red record button on the tape machine and so began Elvis's first post-army recording session. You ready? Let's got one. Hey, Alta WB, 0081, take one. You say that you love me and swear it to be true. But if you can, come over here and make me know it do. Come on now, make me know it. Go ahead and show it. But if you can, come over here and make me know it do. You say you've got kisses and swear that they're brand new. Porter recalls, everything started smoothly enough, but as I was getting the balance on the first song, I became aware of an air of anticipation behind me. Turning around, I saw right beside my elbow was Tom Parker and RCA's Steve Scholes. And when Elvis did the first tune, 
They didn't say anything to me. Not one word was said, but what they didn't say spoke volumes. After 19 takes, Elvis was happy and moved on to the next song, which was the highly appropriate Soldier Boy. There were a few technical issues during the recording of this song. Some were due to the fact that the Telefunken U47 mics weren't equipped with windscreens or pop filter. Soldier Take 15 was used for record release. The clock struck midnight after completion of this song and recording regulations stipulated that everyone had to take a break of 30 minutes. After the break, Elvis and the band launched into three quick takes of the Aaron Schroeder, Leslie McFarlane number, Stuck On You. Shake an apple off an apple tree Shake a shake a sugar But you'll never shake me uh-uh-uh. No sirree I'm gonna stick like glue Stick because I'm stuck on you I'm gonna run my fingers through your long black hair Stuck on you wasn't included on the initial release of the album but was Rush released as his first post-army single, backed with the song he recorded immediately afterwards, Fame and Fortune. LZWB 0084, take two. RCA had 1.4 million sleeves printed for Elvis's yet-to-be-determined single before he even entered the recording studio. There was a hole in the centre of the picture sleeve to display the title, which of course would be printed on the record label, while the text declared, Elvis's first new recording for his 50 million fans all over the world. The records were pressed and shipped two days after the session. 
The single went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in April 1960, becoming his first number one single of the 1960s and the 13th overall. In the UK, it was a top 10 hit, peaking at number three. After another mandatory break between 3.30 and 4am, the next song to be recorded was the Doc Pomus Mort Schumann number, A Mess of Blues, and was destined to become the B-side of what was to become Elvis's biggest selling single, with sales in excess of 20 million copies worldwide. A-side was, of course, It's Now or Never. Elvis and the band rocked their way through five takes of A Mess of Blues, with only takes one and five being complete, the others being false starts and breakdowns. The master is take five. Next up was the Fred Wise, Ben Weissman song, It Feels So Right. recording with the fifth and final take being used for release. It was now 7am and everyone agreed that everything they set out to achieve had been accomplished. They had completed six songs, two of which could be used for his first post-army single, which was pressed and released on March the 23rd, just 48 hours after the session. A follow-up session was arranged to take place two weeks later, on April the 3rd, to complete the album and hopefully cut another single. In the meantime, Elvis, the band, and his entourage set off by train from Miami, Florida for the taping of the Frank Sinatra Timex show, Welcome Home Elvis. The original musicians returned to the studio on Sunday evening, April 3rd, at 7.30pm. They were joined this time by saxophonist Boots Randolph. Elvis started the session with four quick takes of fever, accompanied only by drums, bass, and finger snapping. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me Fever when you hold 
Only two of the four attempts were complete and Take 4 was picked for record release. The Jesse Stone song Like a Baby was tackled next. Again, the fact that the Telefunken U47 mics weren't shielded caused some takes to be scrapped because of breath sounds on Elvis's vocal. Take 5 was halted after 30 seconds with engineer Bill Porter telling Elvis, we got a pop on two. Hell to the DB 0099, take five. Here we go. You gave me love to enjoy Like a bright, shiny toy To a baby No matter what Okay, sorry. One more, we got a pop on two. The sixth and final take was used as the master recording. With that recording put to bed, they then began work on the song that Elvis had been planning for months, the multi-million seller I mentioned earlier, It's Now or Never. Elvis's version is based on two popular songs, the Italian song of the Neapolitan language, O Solo Mio, and the other being There's No Tomorrow, recorded by US singer Tony Martin in 1949. There are home recordings made by Elvis during his time in Germany of the Tony Martin version. The lyrics for It's Now or Never were written by Aaron Schroeder and Wally Gold. Give us a pitch for it. You're rolling. During recording, Elvis was unhappy with the high note he was trying to reach on the word love at the conclusion of the song. It's now or never, my love Engineer Bill Porter suggested they splice the ending of take two onto the rest of take four to assemble a suitable master. This is what was used for a record release after a piano overdub was added. As mentioned earlier, It's Now or Never went on to sell over 25 million copies worldwide and is Elvis's biggest selling single to date. By the time everyone was happy with the completed recording, it was midnight and everyone took a well-earned 45-minute break. At a quarter to one, they commenced work on The Girl of My Best Friend, tinkering around with the different tempos. With a girl of my best friend I want to tell her how I love her so And hold her in my arms 
It's a, it's a better tempo. I, 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 uh, what am I quicker, you know? The song was placed as the third track on side one of the original 1960 album release. Issued as a single by RCA in 1976, backed with A Mess of Blues, it was a top ten hit in the UK, peaking at number nine. Unfortunately, it failed to chart on Billboard's Hot 100 in the US. Next to be recorded was the only Jerry Lieber Mike Stoller song on the album, Dirty Dirty Feeling. Oh, I got a dirty, dirty feeling. You know, I hate to see that when I woke up and you were gone. Come. Go ahead. I got a dirty, dirty feeling. Dirty feeling is going on. You know I almost hit the ceiling, but I woke up and you were gone. I took you in when you were hungry. Four quick takes were done. Only the first and fourth were complete. The fourth is a very brief 1 minute 43 second version with no guitar solo. For release, the solo was lifted from take 1 and spliced onto the middle of take 4. When Elvis made the movie Tickle Me in 1964, this song was used as one of the musical numbers along with other previously recorded songs. This was because the movie company, Allied Artists, didn't have enough revenue to cover the costs of recording new material for use in the movie. The film was popular at the box office, making over $3 million in the US and $5 million worldwide. It became the third highest grossing film in the history of Allied Artists and saved the studio from bankruptcy. The beautiful Stan Kessler ballad, Thrill of Your Love, came next. Hands a little rough there. Okay, roll. Yeah. Ready? Oh, no. 
Elvis and the band breeze through three takes, the second take being a short 35-second false start, and take three was used on the album. Elvis and the band were on a roll now. They flew through two takes of the Paul Evans Matt Williams song, I Gotta Know, and only the second take was complete, take one breaking down after only 40 seconds. Get up in the morning, feeling mighty weak a Tossing and a-turning, well, I ain't had no sleep Oh baby, what roads I love taking To romance or heartbreaking Well, you kiss away my cares and woe I gotta know, gotta know, gotta know Nine and nine make fourteen, four and four make nine The clock is striking thirteen, I think I love an unbelievable one-off performance. I Gotta Know wasn't used for the album, but became the B-side of the double platinum selling Are You Lonesome Tonight? The studio clock was showing 3.45am when they all took a quick 15-minute break before starting work on the delightful Lincoln Chase number, Such a Night. LWB 0105, take two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's my fault. See, so how many are we going to do? How many did we do before? <clears throat> okay, all right. LTWB 0105, take three. It was a night. No, no, no. I don't think it was. L to WB zero one oh five take four. Hey, wait for my hand, Chief, before you come in on the beat. It was a night. Ooh, what a night it was. It really was such a night. The moon was bright. Oh, how bright it was. It really was such a night. But night was a light. And when she kissed me, I had to fall in love. Oh, it was a kiss. Again, they breezed through the recording quickly. Only five takes were done, with only two of those being complete. The speed at which they were now completing the songs gives the impression that they were all becoming aware that studio time was running out, and just before 4:30 a.m began work on Are You Lonesome Tonight? This recording was at the suggestion of his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, the colonel claiming it was his wife, Marie's favourite. Elvis began the recording accompanied by acoustic guitar, drums, bass and the Jordanaires. He asked everyone else in the studio to leave, asking Chet Atkins to turn the lights out and perform the song In the Darkness. Are you lonesome tonight? Excuse me, start again. Still rolling. Still rolling. After the second take, Elvis said to producer Steve Scholes, throw that tune out, I can't do it justice. Scholes told engineer Bill Porter to ignore him and ask the singer to do a new take. 
explaining that the Jordanaires had bumped into their microphone stand while recording in the dark. The master is a splice of take five and the ending of work part two. Work part, take one. Oh. Oh. But I'd rather go on hearing your lies than to go on living without you. Now the stage is bare, and I'm standing there with emptiness all around. And if you won't come back to me, then they can bring the curtain down. Is your heart? Filled with pain Shall I come back again Tell me dear Are you lonesome tonight The single was released November 1st 1960 with, as mentioned previously I Gotta Know on the B-side it debuted on Billboard's Top 40 at number 35 on November 14th, moved a week later to number 2 and topped the chart by November 28th. It held the top position until January 9th, 1961. A month after its UK release, it topped the UK singles chart. Three months after its release, the single had sales of 2 million copies worldwide. That year, the Recording Industry Association of America certified it gold. On March 27, 1992, the RIAA certified the recording double platinum, and in 2008, the 50th anniversary of Billboard's Hot 100, the song was number 81 on the magazine's Hot 100 all-time top songs list. Time was really getting short now as they launched into the Bill Rice, Thomas Wayne song, Girl Next Door Went A-Walking. The co-writer, Thomas Wayne, had recorded the original version in 1959, they raced through the recording with a few good-natured hiccups along the way. I think you guys are jumping Scotty a little bit over here. The girl next door and a walking She found a boy She like, no, don't look at me yet. <laughs> <laughs> By the fourth take, Elvis was satisfied and moved on to the penultimate recording with his newly acquired army buddy, Charlie Hodge, singing harmony. I will be home again Documentation from the session shows four takes were attempted, but only the final take exists in the RCA vault. 
The first three takes were either erased or, more lightly, the session tape is lost. It was around 6.30am now, sunrise was a few minutes away, and there was a feeling of artistic satisfaction in the air. Over the duration of two nights recording, they had successfully completed 17 masters, enough for a 12-track album and three singles. However, they weren't finished just yet. They had saved the best till last. With the pressure off of having to produce the required quota of recordings for RCA, Elvis picked up his acoustic guitar, and after a false start, he whispered a count in and launched into a rendition of the Lowell Folsom Blues, Reconsider Baby. With a blistering sax solo by Boots Randolph and Elvis calling out encouragement to him off mic during the solo, this, for me, is the highlight of the whole album. It was placed as the twelfth and final track on the album. What a way to finish the LP. Elvis was most definitely back. At a few minutes before 7am on Monday, April 4th, Elvis and his entourage walked out of Studio B to resume his career, a career he had left behind to serve his country. Upon completion of his service, Elvis was awarded the Army Good Conduct Medal. The album's front cover shows Elvis in front of a blue stage curtain, dressed in an army trench coat and smiling as he glances to his left. This shot came from a photo session held at the Telefunken Studios in Frankfurt, Germany on July 19, 1959, 
whilst he was still in the service. His record company, RCA, had requested permission from the US Army for the shoot so they'd have some fresh photos for use on record sleeves they were planning to release quickly after his discharge. Elvis's back topped the UK album chart and reached number two on Billboard's top LPs. Initially, the release received mixed reviews, but over subsequent years, its critical reception became progressively more positive. That's all for this episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. You can contact me via email at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com. My podcasts are available on all good podcast providers, including Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and iHeartRadio, to name just a few. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will join me next time on Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel podcast. Podcast.